super embarrassing. Way, way back in the 1980s, secret government employees dug up famous guys and ladies and made amusing genetic copies. Now the clones are sexy teens now, they're gonna make it if they try. Loving, learning, sharing, judging, time to laugh and shiver and cry. It's time to watch Clone High, Clone High. Uh, Clone High. Hey everybody, welcome to AmateurCast, the show where we <laughs> pretend to know what we're talking about. My name is Phil Lord, and I am joined with Chris Miller. Behold, the twilight of man. Amen. And how are you been, Chris? <laughs> no, uh, I'm Sebastian Limon, and I'm joined with Colby Leapies. Have you Hello, been, everybody. Colby? I, we've been you so been? excited to talk about Clone High for so long. We've referenced it in so many past episodes, <laughs> and now Judgment Day is upon us. Yeah, today's the day. <laughs> oh my god, my voice got cleared from singing that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do you know the lyrics of the song, too, or no? I don't. I was trying so hard to find a place to jump in and sing with you and i didn't know any of the words i literally just sang the last word <laughs> I, just... <laughs> I only knew cry <laughs> great song uh abandoned pools they're fun i'm shocked that you know every word by heart that's amazing i'm shocked too i i don't know how it's just i don't know well i've only watched <laughs> the show um on youtube and they cut out the theme song oh really we so, probably didn't watch the same thing then. I've only watched, I've only listened to the theme song like a couple, because I've only watched the show, there's like a four hour video on YouTube that's just every episode in one video, and they only play uh-huh. the theme song for the first one, so that you don't have to listen to it every time, but it's like one of the oh. only theme songs I wouldn't mind listening to every time. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's so really good. kick-ass theme song. It's great. <laughs> Speaking of... Clone High. The guys that created Clone High are called Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And we just stole their identities. Yes, we did. Come get them. They're em. now named Sebastian and Colby. Try and take them away from us. I dare you. Yeah. You suck. Speaking of them, they produced... What did they produce, Colby? Introduce what we're talking about today. They produced... Cats. Oh, God. Hacks. No, they produced The Mitchells vs. <laughs> the Machines, a... New animated movie on Netflix, um, directed and written by Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe, who you guys might know from working on the show Gravity Falls, which is a really amazing uh, show that was on Disney Channel at Disney XD in like 2012. Um, I grew up with it. I mean, me and you were pretty young when it came out. I grew up with it too. It was awesome. Similar to like Avatar The Last Airbender, what's great about it is that it's very accessible for kids, but I think everybody that grew up with it has not grown out of it. And they like it, it gets it really, better when you get older for sure. Yeah. It I mean it really, really um is just made so well that it's like undeniable that it ages really well and that um yeah. Uh they're also Chris Chris Phil Phil um Lord and which is which? Phil, Phil Lord and Chris Phil Miller? Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Okay. <laughs> I promise you guys, I'm big fans. Phil um, Miller and Chris Lord. <laughs> Mil, Mil Filler and, and Liz Cord. Mil Filler. There you Mil- go. <laughs> um, they also produced uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I feel like we've referenced it on this podcast before. It's just such a like 
cor- it's like great. cornerstone movie at this point. Yeah, it's gonna it's a it's a it's already an instant classic. Yes, I think we'll look back on it in ten years and say it was one of the best movies of the decade for sure. Yeah, definitely. it's amazing. Uh, we thought about including that movie in this episode, but I think that movie warrants like a two-hour discussion all on its own. It, yeah, especially with that amazing animation. It's yeah. Just, it, it's great. Maybe in the future. Maybe maybe when the next Spider-Man movie comes out, we can do a series on the different Spider-Man trilogies. Yeah. That would be cool. Um, and then Lord and Miller also... Um, did they... Yeah, they also directed and wrote the Lego movie. Woo! As well as uh, Claudio the Chance of Meatballs. Yes. Did they also produce... They produced Storks, right? Yeah, they helped produce Storks. You've talked about Storks super on this fun. show. You're a fan of Storks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't love seen Storks. It. Super fun. But yeah, they're just really dominating the animation field right now. Big time. Animation and they even directed the Jump Street movies with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. Yes. And they have many projects on the way, which I, we look forward to. Yeah, they've signed some major deal with Sony to make like a thousand movies in the next couple of years. Um, yeah. So they're making bank. Yeah, <laughs> and major, they have like a production bank. company now with Universal, mm-hmm. which I can't wait for because they're going to allow other people to make things, which is going to be fun. Yeah. 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 Good for them. Good for and them. they almost directed Solo. Well, they directed like half of Solo. And then yeah. um, they brought in... Hollywood hack, Ron Howard. My, my <laughs> favorite director, Ron Howard. I'm a fan oh, of Ron man. Howard as an actor. I actually am. Like, yeah? Was, you know, when he was... Yeah, when he was young, like American Graffiti is one of my favorite movies. I still haven't seen that. I'll be honest. Like, I haven't seen very many Ron Howard movies. I haven't seen the movies I that haven't either. make people really respect him, like Rush or Apollo. Is it Eleven? Apollo Thirteen Apollo. is good. Apollo, Apollo 13. Thirteen. But um, I hate Solo. I hate Hillbilly Elegy. You um, hate Solo, really? It's fine. I, I maybe hate is a strong word. I think if it wasn't a Star Wars movie, I would be like, oh, "That's mediocre. That's fine." It has potential. It. it... If it, if it were more if it were more like bright and fun, mm-hmm. like if it didn't do you take mean if it was directed by someone like Lord and Miller? It, exactly. If it were direct, <laughs> continually directed by oh. them, and it didn't have that super dark cinematography. If only there was some director that Lucasfilm could have hired. If only there was some duo hmm. known for their improv <laughs> comedy and bright, vibrant. <laughs> Taking oh, ideas movies. that sound bad but making them good. If oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I hate yeah. Lucasfilm. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, just studios and just Disney. I think it's uh, yeah. That's that's another amazing thing about Lord and Miller is that in the age of Disney, really monopolizing animation. Not that they haven't always, but like especially now. Lord and Miller have managed to have some of the most successful non-Disney animated movies. They've managed to have one of the only animated movies since the advent of the Best Animated Feature Award at the Oscars to win. Yeah. That isn't Disney. I mean, in the age where Disney has basically had this effect of destroying 2D animation, like we really don't get 2D movies anymore, they've taken 3D and kind of revolutionized it and given it this new really animated real not an, you know really expressive like style that blends 2d and 3d they did that with both um spider-verse and with this new movie mitchell's versus the machines 
they're just really exciting, exciting people. No, definitely. Um, speaking of Mitchells versus the Machines, we watched it. <laughs> we watched it. It's on Netflix now. Kobe, what's it about? Tell us. Tell us, Phil. <clears throat> the Mitchells versus the Machines follows a. Um, <clears throat> let me read the IMDb synopsis. A quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, the movie basically starts as a funny family road trip comedy and then takes a sharp turn, like the World's End style, into... Um, yeah, that's a yeah, good comparison. Into robot apocalypse movie. And this family, played by Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, and the director, Michael Rianda, who plays the little brother that's obsessed with dinosaurs. And, of um, course, Doug the Pug as Manchi. Oh, yes, of course. Doug, Doug, the actual dog, <laughs> Doug the Pug, plays Manchi the Pug. Um, I'm so... I, that was so disrespectful of me to leave out Doug. What's wrong with you? The Come backbone on, of this cast. Um... Yeah, no this <laughs> this funny family of characters has to work through their personal issues, mainly between the father and daughter characters, in order to uh, save the world from mm-hmm. evil from an evil robot uprising caused by a Silicon Valley tech mogul type character um, played oh, by Eric oh. Andre and his evil smartphone named Olivia or. Named Pal, played by Olivia Coleman. So awesome. I love that. Going into this movie, I was excited, like very, very excited because it's Phil Lord and Chris Miller. But I, I was a little bit hesitant because um, in the last couple of years, we've gotten a lot of the same kind of messaging in TV and movies about the danger of technology. But they all have sort of come with the same lack of nuance. And they're often just phone bad. Nuance and subtlety, yeah. Yeah. Um, the original title of this movie, when it was announced last year before COVID, and then before it got delayed and sold to Netflix and renamed to... I should say, that Mitchell's vs. the Machines was the original title, but it was yeah. going to be released last year with the name Connected, which is obviously a bit which, more punny. Which, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember it being kind of marketed... As like focusing on the tech aspect, like I remember the the first mark, the first um. Yeah, it was marketed more as like a family road trip movie with yeah trying to not be on the phones. Yeah. Like it had nothing to do with the robot uprising, from what yeah. I remember. And then when it when COVID hit and it got delayed, they were able to sell it to Netflix. Um, they were able to rename it what they originally wanted to, Mitchell vs. the Machines, and focus on this fun, wacky robot apocalypse story yeah what i really like about the movie is that the message isn't just phone bad and phil lord and chris miller have said in interviews like we wanted to make this not just hey technology's bad hey gen z millennials stop having your face glued to phones we wanted to make something more um real than that we wanted to show the the (laughs) this is gonna sound funny for a pg-rated netflix animated movie but like we wanted to show the political dangers of (laughs) silicon valley tech companies of um you know of smartphones of like how much technology is is growing and and um imposing on privacy and personal data but also we 
you know, this is being made by people who animate on computers who have mm-hmm. used their phones and cameras to create a career for themselves in film, which is an art form that they love and are passionate about, you know? Yeah. And this movie really acknowledges with its main character, who is um, who is a film student, this new reality we're living in where art forms like film and also like animation and other things are more accessible to people and to young people at a younger age because of the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it acknowledges how wonderful and beautiful and fortunate that is. Yeah. Uh, and there's a line in the movie where the dad, who's... The, the the character of Rick, played by Danny McBride, is very much the caricature of the suburban dad who's like, put your phones down, we're going to spend family time together. Yeah, total conservative, <laughs> uh, old-type yeah. dad. Yeah, the suburban dad. Uh, is, yeah, He, Perfect. like, hates, hates, hates technology. Like, that's his main character crux. Um, yeah. There's a scene where he's talking to the tech mogul character, and he says, you know, I don't believe in your company i don't believe in what you're doing here but if it helped my daughter create this short film that means so much to her then i guess it isn't maybe it's not so bad yeah Yeah. which is great yeah that was really wonderful yeah i uh i i love this movie this movie was awesome Mm -hmm. super cool super fun super energetic creative Mm -hmm. and damn it it hit home (laughs) It hit home a lot yep. with like the themes, not just the themes, but like the relationships between Katie and her dad and yeah. her sibling and her mom, just the family aspect of it. Another thing that a lot of animated movies or just movies in general kind of force upon you is the family aspect of it and like having his message. Mm-hmm. This movie definitely earns it. It yeah. feel it's it's definitely sweet without being corny. It's not corny at yes. all. I think it definitely earns the family message of like, you know, what's most important is each other or like uh, to kind of put your differences aside and uh, love other and love, the, you know, your your mom or your dad and all these things that have been told countless times. But it because this is so unique and so fun and is done in a different way and honestly, in a pretty honest way, too, mm-hmm. I love the way that it's handled that kids will be able to understand, but that adults can watch it and relate to what's going on. A lot like Gravity Falls. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, definitely. Or like other Lord and Miller projects, the Lego movie has like a lot of adult themes in it. <laughs> For sure. Like consumerism especially. Yeah. But yeah, overall, it, and it's also, it's a, it's a kid's movie too. And it works as... As what we were saying, or like what you were saying, like with these heavy themes of what of the the politics that these technologies implement on people, mm-hmm. and but also having a fun time while watching it, and uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I was I was laughing from the very beginning, laughing, mm-hmm. and damn it. I would be lying if I didn't, if I say I didn't almost cry. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. <laughs> it made my mom cry. I was, I was <laughs> shocked. Like the first time I watched it twice. The first time they were, my parents were out for the weekend and I watched it because of the podcast and also because I wanted to watch it. I watched it with my brother and we like fell in love with it. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is awesome. Like 
This is funny. It has a great message. It's super, and it's original and it's creative with new characters and everything. Uh, so I had to show it to my parents. And yeah, my mom from the beginning, without spoiling what really happens. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, there's a, a moment that happens between Katie, who's the daughter. By the way, Katie Mitchell is like the most relatable character. <laughs> she's just, she's so wonderful. She's so wonderful. She's awesome. Especially for any like film majors or film snobs or even yeah. just like kids who want to go into the just arts kids who are capacity. weird yeah weird artistic yeah. kids that don't necessarily fit in always yeah especially um, when they don't feel that from their own family mm -hmm. it definitely is going to hit home yeah yeah for those who don't know or haven't seen it she wants to be a film director or like she wants to be in the movies so that already was like damn it i love her <laughs> or i love this movie she has a difficult relationship with her dad because her dad is seems to kind of not understand what she does and why she loves it. And but he's not a bad character at all. Oh, I think he's, he's a great character. I mean, he's a co-lead. Oh yeah, definitely. He's incredibly it's like sympathetic. I was thinking of like uh like Paranorman. Paranorman Norman's also yeah. like a total weirdo outcast. But the dad Never comes off as... I love that movie, don't get me wrong. Paranorman's great. Mm -hmm. But the dad is kind of an ass yeah. in that movie. And that you never see him actually trying. He's always ridiculing and putting Norman down. Whereas in here, you can definitely see the dad trying his hardest. So there's no, there's never a point where you feel that either are the villains or that you're supposed to be rooting for either or. It's more of... You're rooting for their relationship rather than an individual person, mm -hmm. which I thought was really well done. No, yeah, early on something happens where the dad, Rick, is watching some home movies. And yeah, damn it, made my mom cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it almost um, got me too. It's, it's really well done. You could say that like the way the family is written is kind of cliche. I would say yeah. that's true. I mean, we've seen this before, but... Um, it's written here in order to just be relatable to the most people mm -hmm. as possible. You know what I mean? This is yeah. pretty much the typical suburban family in our day and age. Um, yeah. I'm sure, I mean, it's very, I'm sure, um, personal to the, to Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe and probably also to Lord and Miller, uh, of the kind of families they grew up with. Just anybody that worked on the movie. Cause obviously yeah. it's just, it's about a kid who wants to pursue a career in the arts. And obviously yeah. that's not something super practical or not something many people understand. And so parents are going to be super protective about that mm -hmm. or just kind of help that they land on their feet. And mm -hmm. so I'm sure that everybody that worked on this was like, damn, that was me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But so here but you were it's saying written, it's written in a, um, in a, I won't say schmaltzy, but it, you know, it definitely tugs on your heartstrings. Like you said, you were talking about crying. Like, yeah, but it's, you've seen this like before, you were saying, it's not but it's corny. so earnest. It's so sincere. Yeah. It's so wholesome. Um, I cried too. And I nice. think Lord and Miller have a really uncanny ability to make you cry when I would never expect them to. The Lego movie is yeah. kind of emotional. And, um, yeah. Confession. Claudio with a chance of meatballs can be, and so is Spider-Verse. 
Yeah, Confession, Sp- Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the movie that I have cried at more than any other in my entire life. No, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, now you gotta explain. I've watched Spider-Verse, I think, three times now. The first time I saw it in theaters with friends, and I just, I laughed, I had a good time, It was I was laid back, it was cool. It was a cool new Spider-Man movie. I rewatched it the second time by myself at home, and I cried five separate distinct times. No way. What? Whether it was because of the relationship between Miles and his dad, or it was because of a certain character's death, or it was just because of how, I think, like, inspiring and beautiful that movie is. Mm-hmm. That movie makes me like an emotional wreck. <laughs> but, that's so but that's weird. not to say that I mean, it's just cool. a big bummer because it's also such a fun adventure movie and I love watching it yeah, with friends. Yeah, yeah. And I would say uh-huh. the same thing here. Like this is like we're kind of making this movie sound like it's a big tearjerker and it's very political. And yeah, there's those elements, but it's yeah, also but that's not an incredibly like, goofy, fun family movie. It really, <laughs> yeah, it's more of a goofy, yeah. silly, fun it's an adventure movie. It's adventure very hyperkinetic. Yeah. It's 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 not like you're gonna you can't watch this without crying. Like if what you want is a fun time, you can get that. But if also what you want is a more personal, more emotional experience, that's here for you too. That's what Lord and Miller are so good at. It's pretty great that a movie can have elements like this mm-hmm. like we were saying that's personal and emotional and even political mm-hmm. and feature furbies attacking a family oh, yeah. <laughs> a giant furby yeah just terrifying <laughs> i love that it can they can balance these but not feel out of place mm-hmm. which is yeah which is akin to and we keep bringing back lord and miller like they only produce the movie i mean obviously they have creative yeah. insight for sure they have a lot of influence on the movies that they produce it definitely they... feels like something that they would have done yeah now you can they... definitely feel their their handprints in this they yeah definitely definitely i feel like in everything that they work on whether they're writing and directing or they're just producing it, it always fits into their style they have a very um specific sense of what they like to do you can always yeah you can always feel their influence for sure they're definitely hyperkinetic. Their their jokes are there's a lot of jokes in their mm-hmm. movies. They kind of fly by sometimes. Yeah, it's hard to like appreciate every single one because after a joke is said, another joke equally as funny, if not as funny, is said the second after. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also tend to take m- movies that have terrible ideas but make them good. Making a Lego movie sounds like a complete cash grab. Yeah. Lego Movie is genuinely one of my favorite movies ever. I adore that movie. It's great. It's great. Uh, animated Spider-Man, same thing. It's like, oh, are you kidding me? Especially like, when it's... have, like, when it's, 10 Spider-Man um, movies. Yeah, like, alongside this other Sony Spider-Man continuity. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you going to have two at once? But it's all... But then it ended up being the best Spider-Man movie. Not just that, but like you said, like, this revolutionary movie for animation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. And and then even the Jump Street movies are like super self-aware of the fact that, yeah, we're a remake. We're a reboot. Yeah. We're doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Solo was going to be something like that. And Lucasfilm was like, no, you can't have fun. Because yeah. a Han Solo <laughs> origin story sounds them. very bad. Yeah. And so when we heard that Lord and Miller were attached, it's like, oh, okay, maybe there could be something good from this. No. No. Yeah. Too bad. 
That's um, why people were excited for your stupid movie. Because Luke, <laughs> Phil Lord and Chris Miller, damn it. Whatever. Sorry, back to this. I'll never forgive you, Greedo. <laughs> um, Greedo? I don't know. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, um, when are we going to get the Greedo origin story? Come on. They're going to make a series about it on Disney+. Plus. Don't worry about it. I would actually, that'd be really funny. I'd be down for that. An animated <laughs> Greedo series? That'd be funny. That'd be funny, I like that. Stop motion. Um, I do that. really like that this movie isn't just the typical Lord and Miller style. It's also blended with the Gravity Falls style. You've got yeah, like Miranda yeah. and Jeff Lowe. You've also got Alex Hirsch, who has a writing credit um, on this movie as a story consultant. He uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. voice acts in the movie. Um, I'm, those are like my two favorite animated comedy styles. Like, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So, they blend really yeah, well this movie together. definitely worked for us. Yeah. Um, there's specific kinds of jokes specific a specific sense of humor in this movie that is very reminiscent of gravity falls like the quick cutaways um which <laughs> i honestly i sometimes really don't like like family guy is really guilty of doing constant cutaway jokes that really bother me because they just like on family guy it's like hey lois this reminds me of the time that we were on family feud and then it cuts to them on family feud and then it cuts back and it's like that's not a joke you said a thing and then you showed it to me but um <laughs> I don't know. The Gravity yeah, Falls crew yeah. do a really good job with it. And they did a good job with it here, too. Um, they usually use it yeah. as, like, an answer cut. Like, a character asks a question, and they cut to the answer, which always makes me laugh. Or they kind of uh, subvert your expectations. Like, a character will bring up a funny memory, and then they'll cut to it, and it's not at all what you were expecting it to be. <laughs> yeah. And it cuts back to them, like, ah, good times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, like, these little pop culture references... Which, again, yeah. sometimes in animation, I hate those. Like, Chicken Little. And it, it wasn't annoying at all in this. Yeah. Um, I, again, here, I think little pop culture references can, some, when used right, can contribute to the relatability of something. Yeah. Like, if you're going to set um, a big action scene in a suburban shopping mall, it's a pretty good bit to have the Furbies turn evil and fight the main characters. It feels weird to, like, have Furbies, which are, like, a branded, copyrighted toy thing in this movie, but it kind of works because it makes it feel like it's set in your world rather than other animated movies just kind of, like, Shrek. Like, it was a a real trend in the 2000s after Shrek to just have your animated movies throw out references to, like, real movies and bands and stuff, and I always found that annoying. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. Here it, it just really contributes to to the characters, I think. Not to say that any of the references here aren't bad. I found some of the meme references to kind of be a little Oh yeah. Though the, like, I was like kind of worried at first joke with this with this screaming monkey. Yeah. Which I, think I was didn't like, like a popular that. internet video a couple years ago. I didn't think that was very funny. Yeah, and that was like in the beginning of the movie, and I was like, "Oh, oh no!" Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of they, nervous. They reuse it a couple times throughout. Yeah, I, I would say any any times that they like quote memes or anything, I just, it's like that's not that funny. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're writing a movie that's gonna reference the internet, it's really hard because the internet and the fads and the memes move so fast, and yeah, movies exactly. inherently by nature take a long time to make. That. Mm-hmm. Usually the writing process is completed like 
at least a full year before the movie is released. Exactly. You know, so if you're writing a movie and you're re- trying to reference an internet meme, that meme's going to be dead by the time your movie comes out. There's there's yeah, no getting around it. So just don't do it. <laughs> I always think of that stupid what are those joke in Black Panther. Oh, that? that was painful. That's uh That joke had been over for a long time, too. Yeah. Oh. So I forgot about that. I don't remember the movie that much, but I remember groaning hard at yeah. that. <laughs> the thing is, I've only seen movie, that movie once. I don't pity the writers because it's a movie where the internet is central to the plot. The character's yeah, use yeah. of the internet is central to their development. And so it makes sense to want to reference real life internet stuff. I mean, maybe it could have worked just as well if they like made up fake memes for the world of the movie, I guess. Yeah. But that kind of takes more setup like in in the script i don't know i don't i don't pity having to write anything any movie that's gonna like focus on the internet that's really tough and yeah even if there's a few hiccups here and there overall this movie did it very impressively yeah like uh i think the there's a moment where katie uses snapchat on her dad i thought that was kind of funny because the filters have always been there and they're always going to be there it's not like that's like a meme that just mm-hmm. appears for a couple of months and then bam, it's gone. <laughs> Not even months, just weeks. So, you know, stuff like that, that seems to be more like permanent rather than this monkey video. Yeah, that 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 to me is like the only thing that sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of it. Like, yeah, that's not funny <laughs> or not very <Yeah>. good. <laughs> there are a couple points in this movie where they touch on social media itself too and it's like again it's such a thing that could that could easily have been social media bad right and not have much real nuance to it but um on one hand they show how the mom's use of social media the way she compares herself to others on social media which i think is something that's very relevant to like anybody today yeah yeah yeah. it negatively affects her and they have this other family played by chrissy Teigen and john legend which i thought was a really (laughs) funny kind of yeah, like yeah. real world joke casting um yeah because i feel like a bunch of people compare themselves to yeah. them <laughs> they have like very big like twitter presences especially chrissy Teigen. yeah definitely um yeah so there's this family played by them who are like this perfect ideal family or at least the way they present themselves online is and um maya rudolph's character in this movie just like always has a lot of like self-doubt and self consciousness because she compares herself to them so much but on the other hand you've got your main character katie who is able to make all of these wonderful online friends at the school that she's going to go to which is something i can really relate to in the last year with covid um which last year has was supposed to be my first year of college and i've i've been doing it on zoom but i've been able to make some really cool friends online and now once i get on campus like i'll have some relationships already established which is really cool and i think yeah the movie highlights that in a really cool way um, yeah i agree and it's not like done in your face it's 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 done well it's yeah. it's done well uh does the little brother calling random phone numbers and asking them to talk about dinosaurs with him count as social media no <laughs> <laughs> i don't know aaron by the way is awesome i love him he's wonderful. He so funny um one of my best friends growing up was um and still is to this day one of my best friends um if you're listening to this man i love you um he is just obsessed with dinosaurs since we were little kids 
uh-huh. and he's like super knowledgeable about dinosaurs. He always has been more knowledgeable than anyone else's age. So watching this movie, it, like the the Aaron character was reminding me of him so much, and I was texting him like, "You've got to watch the Mitchells versus the Machines." <laughs> it's a character that's just like fifth grade you. Bros is you. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, and then the part where fun. they go to the dinosaur museum and it's like a crappy roadshow attraction. Yeah, and the the I brother is like correcting the anatomy of all of these dinosaur yeah. models. This I love isn't that. right. Where's the manager? This isn't right. <laughs> and he looks at the like what is it? The Brachiosaurus it looks like a Homer Simpson dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> Super funny. That was he meets the girl, who's yep. also a dinosaur fan. Hey, he's so excited to see her. Oh my god, I love. <laughs> and then there's a point in the movie where they show his search history, and it's like just in the background of a shot. But if you pause it and read it, it's so funny because he's googling things that, like, are are just questions that Google can't, can't answer? answer. It's like it's like does what's her name? What's the character's name? Is it Abby? I think. Maybe. Yeah, it's like, does Abby like me? Does Abby like dinosaurs? If I talk <laughs> about dinosaurs, will that get Abby to go on a date with me? Like, it's so funny. Wait, when when is this? It's um, I don't want to. It's kind of in a spoiler scene, but it's when they pull up the characters' screens onto the big screen to like expose. Uh, oh, okay. You know so what I'm talking it's about? In that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, if you look like, on the screen, what? you pause it and look at the screen. There's a por- there's see. a portion of the screen that says Aaron's search history. <laughs> the moment that transitions the second into the third act. Yes, definitely. I see. It's kind of okay. the all is lost moment, which yes. um, okay. I thought was well done. Uh, that's that's a moment. Me where too. If you fumbled it, the dad really could have come off unlikable, and I think they really nailed it with that character, making him very sympathetic. Um, yes you know what he's a lot like the dad in wolf walkers that we talked about recently where he kind of causes a lot of the problems in the plot and if if it was done less well then he could have been much less likable because his voice actor is so good and because how well written he is like you really get where he's coming from and you feel for him even though exactly you know, yeah it could have just been like wrong. the typical strict father mm-hmm. but no he's a he's a character that you can oh excuse me that you can understand where he's coming from like you said and i was shocked that this was danny mcbride i know danny mcbride usually does just kooky wacky or just silly voices or just performances Mm -hmm. here it's a great performance like a great voice performance i think it's probably the best danny mcbride performance i've seen which is weird to say for an animated movie yeah but i can't think of a better one not, not, not from the top of my head. I mean, Tropic no. Thunder's funny, but I'm not gonna say it's a better performance than this one. I still haven't seen that. He is really funny in Hot Rod. I forgot he was in Hot Rod until just now. Holy crap, Hot Rod's awesome. He's really funny in Hot Rod. We should <laughs> I do. I love uh, Hot Rod. We should do an episode on Hot Rod and Popstar. Yes, have I still seen haven't Popstar? seen Popstar. It's, I have not. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so wild. I can't wait. I look forward. Okay, now Hot Rod though, super fun. I love yep. it. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Not 10. Like an 8. I love it. Still. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. No, you're right. That that moment, the all, all is lost moment, that could be like a total... We even discussed this in Onward, where it's like forced drama. Mm-hmm. Where in Onward, it made no sense. And it was, it was kind of dealt with immediately and quickly. Whereas here, it makes total sense. It's a yeah. part of the story. It, 
it's the the emotional heart of the story is the relationship between Katie and her dad. Mm-hmm. Like that is like the central like theme of the movie and what drives it forward. Like sure, like it 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 what's about like there's obviously this whole crazy apocalypse happening, but the central story and what's going on is the relationship between these two and the family in general. And so the all is lost moment has to deal with that. And it it didn't feel like, ah, oh, this is forced. It didn't need to be here. It was well done. So good for you, movie, because a lot of animated movies have that moment, the all is lost moment. That's and a really good contrast I hadn't considered because both this and Onward are like family road trip movies true that become sci-fi fantasy adventures Mm -hmm. but this one if you go back to our very like second episode ever way back we really kind of bashed down onward because the family dynamics in the movie and the chemistry between tom holland and chris pratt just feels really fake like it it's not it just doesn't feel genuine it doesn't feel sincere um, the boring. issues between them feel really contrived and mm-hmm. you absolutely could have had that here. I mean, they're really similar premises, but just, this is, I don't know. This just feels like it was written from the heart. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like, oh, we're going to do this family. We're going to have this conflict because that's how you write a story. It felt like the writers were totally basing it off their own lives, their own families, mm-hmm. their own experiences, their own emotions. And you can really feel that on the page. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely felt more personal and just uh, someone's own unique vision rather than another Pixar movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to say about the Mitchells versus the Machines? Not really. Um, It's one of my favorite 2021 films so far, and there's, it's not up against that much competition, but um, yeah, I can, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff coming out this year that could look cool. I don't know if it'll stay high up there. I, I could see it being in my top 10 by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll have to see, but for now I really like it. I think it's, um, it's not Spider-Verse for sure, but it's, yeah. um, it's not like a movie or Spider-Verse, but it's, uh, it's, it, it, it feels like a lot like a uh, Gladiator with a chance of meatballs for me. Yeah. Just a Which really I, I delightful movie. animated movie. Yeah, a delightful animated movie that earns its message mm-hmm. and earns the heart that it has. Yeah, it's a not lot forced. Of style, it's not corny. And also a lot of substance. It's not wacky by being or sorry, it's not wacky but also annoying. <laughs> it's wacky but like sincere <laughs> with a with a heart and super fun. Yeah, great animation choices. Some hand drawn animation here and there. Mm-hmm. For like explosions or for like uh, Katie Vision with her films that she makes. <laughs> yeah. Some puppets. Her movies are super fun. I, I love her little short I films. wish. Yeah. With the pug and everything. Mm-hmm. Super fun. I love it. And I also love like the small aspect of that she, it's almost kind of meta in a way that she's, as she's able to kind of bring in real life situations and real life issues that she goes through and puts them in her movies mm-hmm. in her movies that are super silly and and uh, out there it's almost like this movie something that's super silly and super out there but it's, it feels personal still at the same time yeah yeah which i, I think uh is what art is art should be your own style but 
it should also exemplify or show just kind of be what you believe in and i just who you are mm-hmm. you know what i mean your own it, it should be personal art should be personal and art should be who you are yeah. and so yeah really really great really great stuff didn't you say it somewhere that um if katie mitchell had a letterbox you'd follow her oh yeah absolutely i, I did <laughs> absolutely she had Portugal yeah, Lady on fire fun. in her room. Like, hell of a taste. Great taste. Good for her. I love it. <laughs> Should we guess what director she likes? She definitely likes Celine Schiama, or mm-hmm. however you say it. I think there was either something in the background of the movie, or maybe just something that Lord or Miller posted that was like a list of directors that she would like. Oh, really? I think so. I, mean, I definitely see her as an Edgar Wright fan. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, I see her liking Martin Scorsese. Uh, A twenty four. Definitely an A twenty four head. Definitely A twenty four girl for sure. I can see her loving Lady Bird. <laughs> oh yeah. She's Queen Greta all the way. Um, yeah. That 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 just seems like the stereotypical. <laughs> oh, she has um, um, si- she shining socks in the movie. So she definitely likes oh, Kubrick. Cool. So she likes Kubrick. Uh, she has a Wes Anderson uh, pin. Oh God, Wes Anderson's like a obvious choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say oh, Wes here it is, Anderson. Here it is. Um, in her video application to film school, we get a glimpse of her Mount Rushmore of directors. The four people that she looks up to the most are Greta Gerwig, Celine Sciamma, Lynn Ramsey, and Hal Ashby. All female directors, right? I think so. You guessed two of those. Yeah. Lynn I Ramsey. How... I knew it. No, Hal Ashby's a dude. Oh. Pfft. How? Uh, who's that? He made Harold and Maude. Oh, my God. Harold and Maude. And Shampoo. Oh, my God. I am a failed film student now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear. She's got a good list. She's got a good list. Yeah, she's got quality taste. And that's awesome because she likes these movies that like these filmmakers of that makes movies that are super slow and dramatic. And she makes these silly yeah. <laughs> puppet movies, which I think is great. She has a uh, mixed taste, which I think is awesome. You want to rate it? Uh, I give it an 8 out of 10. Super great. Really fun. Has some uh, some moments that are like, obviously, like some jokes that meme jokes that are not very funny super dated um kind of fast paced sometimes it can get exhausting Mm -hmm. but overall it's uh really great uh it's my favorite of the year so far but like i said there's not that much not that much (laughs) so far that i've seen but yeah really awesome what about you Eight, eight out of ten right yeah eight out of ten for me as well awesome okay Moving on, we're going to go all the way back to the 1980s. Um, <laughs> all the way back to... No, actually, all the way back to 2001, I think, when um, yes. <laughs> Phil Lord and Chris Miller created their first project, their first major uh, entertainment industry project, uh, actually 2002. It was an MTV animated show, kind of, a, kind of like an edgy teen show uh, called Clone High. It lasted for 13 total episodes before it was canceled for some really dumb reasons. For a hilarious reason. Yeah. Do you know we'll why? Oh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. 
Uh, they yeah. co-created <laughs> the show with Bill Lawrence, uh, Judah Miller, Murray Miller, and Erica Rivanoja. Um, and they also co-directed the show with Ted Collier. Um, it fa- Do you want to give us the plot synopsis? I mean, you kind of did in the theme song, but... <laughs> yeah, so the theme song kind of is a plot synopsis, but basically it seems like a, a group of shadowy figures... These secret government um, uh, agents and employees dug up famous guys and ladies, <laughs> Abe Lincoln, Joan of Arc, JFK, and made amusing genetic copies. They made them made uh, these copies of them like clones, like almost like Jurassic Park. And they're teenagers, and there's a high school for them, and the principal is named Principal Scudworth, who's kind of he's kind of updating them on teen life and how they're doing. And uh, and we basically follow Abe Lincoln, Joan of Arc, and Gandhi. Abe Lincoln is this tall, dorky. Uh, how would you describe him, really? Um. Yeah, he's kind of the the lanky, dorky, awkward guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's best friends with Gandhi, who's his party, party animal, animal. <laughs> and uh, Joan of Arc, who's a punk Gone. emo girl. girl in love with Abe. Love it. And yeah, great. You've got um, JFK as the as the womanizing as, jock. As the womanizing <laughs> F boy. <laughs> so funny. You've got Cleopatra yeah. as the cheerleader popular girl. She's the whore <laughs> of the school, basically. I love the way that this show plays with like historical stereotypes. It's Yeah, it's in a so very funny. clever way. It's really funny. Colby, what do you think of the show? I think it's a classic. I mean it's very much like a relic of its time. It came out in 2002. It came out right mm-hmm. after like Freaks and Geeks, which I think is one of it's one of my all-time favorite shows, but it's one of the shows that this one parodies a lot. Um in fact, the the actor who plays um the main character's dad in Freaks and Geeks plays Abe's dad in this show, and I'm pretty convinced Oh. His name is Joe Flaherty. I'm pretty convinced yeah. that they just we're like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we just made Abe's dad, the dad from Freaks and Geeks, exactly and didn't try to hide it? Because his character model, <laughs> his animated character model looks exactly like him. <laughs> it's probably, then, yeah, then probably. Um, he probably just did that. That's yeah, funny. and even though I love Freaks and Geeks, I, I also love this show that totally bashes it and parodies it, along with other early 2000s kind of um, quote-unquote melodramatic. The like uh, high school. Yeah, like um, punk rock teen shows. Exactly, yeah. Shows, movies, very John Hughes here and there. Mm-hmm. It has some dated celebrity guest stars. Oh yeah, you got Tom Marilyn Green. Manson in Remember the second Tom episode. Remember Tom Green? Tom Green. Um, <laughs> Marilyn, you said Marilyn Manson, right? Yeah. Yeah, Marilyn Manson. Um, Jack what's Black. his name from? Jack Black. Well, Jack Black is still pretty relevant. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what's his name from Full House? John Stamos. <laughs> Oh, I forgot he At was in point. the last episode. He was like in the last episode. As himself. Yeah. Um, you got um, Michael J. Fox in one episode. Yeah, true. Zach um, Braff. That's kind of dated. That's super dated. Because this was during um, Scrubs. Scrubs, and then he made that movie uh, Garden State, right? Mm-hmm. That was actually after the show seen. ended, though. Oh, then Which I Which is funny, because you, you, it almost feels like the show is parodying that. Yeah, exactly. Super funny show. And I was kind of like shocked at some moments of like, oh God, they did this back in 2002? 
Yeah, it was like, it was a red Abe Lincoln sure. and Gandhi make out yeah. at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and the the make out noises are gross in this show. It's like that, and that's it's so gross. That's during an episode where Gandhi he discovers he has ADHD, but basically every single person in the school mixes up ADHD with AIDS. With AIDS, yeah. And the episode yeah. becomes this satirical parody of the paranoia around the AIDS crisis, and everybody <laughs> avoids him and, like, avoids toilet seats. Oh, my God. This show is wild. It's, it's awesome. There's an episode where everybody gets high on drugs, except the drugs are, like, dried raisins. They, like, smoke raisins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Super awesome. <laughs> um, God, I love this show so much. It's just clever. It's just the early taste of what Phil Lord and Chris Miller would bring. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that even a show that barely had a season, done many years ago, is still talked about and watched today. Yeah. I think because it's pretty, it's like a little bit ahead of its time. And some of the edginess and some of the, like the wacky humor, like that's been more embraced Mm-hmm. Mm, recently, like with Gravity Falls or shows on Cartoon Network, like Adventure Time or mm-hmm. uh, Steven Universe, regular show, regular shows, probably my favorite. I love that show. Or uh, Total um, Drama, which came after this. Or and Total Drama, the same yeah. uh, workers, and so if you look at the two shows, you'll you'll see that they have a very similar art style. Yeah, yeah, um, the art style especially. I love how it plays with like historical tragedy. <laughs> It would, yeah. it would, the show would feel like it was in very poor taste if it wasn't making fun of stuff that happened hundreds of years ago. But um, in the first episode, like, Gandhi makes, like, little finger guns at JFK and he flinches. <laughs> That's true. There's, there's an oh, yeah, episode my name where is JFK. a clone of Jesus Christ is using a nail gun in the wood shop at school and he nails his wrists. And like Jesus just has like this Mexican accent, <laughs> hey, <Holmes. laughs> which I think is super funny. Um. Oh my God! You've got Marie Curie, and she's like, <laughs> she's like deformed from the from the radiation. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, the show was pretty edgy for uh, 2003. The, listen, I, I can differentiate when a, a person is a person and a cartoon is a cartoon. Yeah. But Joan of Arc is cute. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Joan of Arc and what's her name? That's what happens when you've been stuck at home for a year. (laughs) Ramona Flowers. She does have a Ramona Flowers vibe. That's true. Super cute. That does kind of get into why the show got canceled, though, which I think is so stupid. But it's super funny, though, because of the portrayal of Gandhi. (laughs) uh, There was protests in India that he was being portrayed in like a you know, a way that was making fun of him. And I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to act like, I'm like, that's so stupid. Make fun of Gandhi. Whatever. Shut up. Indy. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that guy. Um, what I, The reason I say it's dumb is because in the show, if you watch the show, the joke is not at the expense of Gandhi. It's actually kind of like raising up the real Gandhi by saying uh, the real Gandhi was so good that the joke there's comes no from way the contrast is going to live up to him yeah. yeah there's a line in the first episode where the gandhi character says um the reason i became this party animal is because i cracked under the pressure of living up to the real gandhi who was so great <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah. 
I don't know, man. The show's a, the show is a satire. It's a political historical satire. It, if you're if you're making a joke out of the contrast of sh- like the funny juxtaposition of Gandhi with raunchy parties, that's kind of showing how 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 much Gandhi is respected in the sense that and the joke comes. Not from only the were there protests, there was a freaking hunger strike in yeah. India because of the show. So they had to cancel the show. Animated show on MTV. I can't believe it. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> um they are bringing the show back in the next year or two. But yeah. I'm worried it won't be as good without Gandhi. We'll see. Is it not going to have Gandhi? I don't think it can. Why not? Because that's the reason it got canceled. I mean, who knows? What if they're like F India? I <laughs> <laughs> I think they've confirmed that Gandhi won't be in the show. Really? Yeah. I need to look this up. I'm looking it up right now. I need to look this up. No. Okay, I guess it isn't confirmed whether or not he'll be in it. I'm assuming he won't be, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it says, yeah, there's no currently no information of how or if the character of Gandhi will be reimagined anyway. Hmm. <laughs> That's funny. But it says Phil Lord and Chris Miller are still attached, so yeah, super fun. <clears throat> Do you have a favorite episode? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite episode. I do have a favorite line, which is in the very first episode when JFK goes up to Joan at the party and he goes, he he asks her about something and she talks about getting drunk and he says, are you uh, drunk enough to sleep with me? And she kicks him in the head and knocks him over and then he gets up and he goes, answer the question. Answer the question. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Are you uh, drunk That's enough to sleep with joke. me yet? <laughs> get off my dinghy not you <laughs> um and also to give credit where credit is due uh jfk is played by chris miller yes as is that's the so robot funny vice principal mr butler tron and uh phil lord plays principal scudworth and genghis khan oh god he plays genghis khan yeah Pinata. <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm not 21 <laughs> what about you do you have a favorite so episode funny. or a favorite joke um, my favorite episode is probably the film one. The film fest. Really that's a the, really good one. The film festival one. I love that Joan of Arc makes this super experimental <laughs> hit uh, student film. And she's like, I know it's so obvious. I know. And everybody's just like, um, okay. And what's his name? Um, that gets it. Um, oh, Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud. Yeah. <laughs> You're totally in love with Abe. How could it be so obvious? You know, just stuff like that. <laughs> I love the movie that Gandhi makes. Oh, God, what's his name that he makes a movie Oh, with? George Washington Carver. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. make, like, a spy movie, black and tan. They make a spy movie, yeah. Oh, that Say was what? so good. Say what? Say what? Say, Say what? Say what? <laughs> oh, you know what? My Say favorite might be what? the Makeover episode. That's a great makeover, one, too. Makeover, 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 <laughs> Makeover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I also love the uh, the line of uh, "Let me." Uh... <laughs> I I just love JFK's like exaggerated JFK mm-hmm. voice. It's super funny. I grow up with my pants. I era want a party platter. Nachos. I love it. It's so funny. Hawk, is that the sound of a vulnerable teenage girl? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Students only. 
And Principal <laughs> Scudworth is voiced by... You already said that, Phil Lord, right? Yeah. I like him. Mr. Yeah. Butler Tron. I, I feel like there's not that uh, much to say about this show that's, like, deep. It's just it's just a great show. It's just so It's funny. clever. It's not deep. It's clever. It's extremely well-written. It's just one of the funniest shows yeah. you'll ever see. And the whole thing is available it's very funny. for free online at different sources. Um, I yeah. watched the whole thing on YouTube with friends. I actually discovered it for the first time last year. I had heard about it. I had known it was Lord and Miller, but I had zero idea what it was or even what it looked like. And I hopped on a Discord server with, just to hang out with some friends, and somebody was like, oh, we're going to watch Clone High tonight. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't even know it was like an MTV teen show. I thought it was on Cartoon Network, so I didn't realize how like how like edgy it was. But one of my friends streamed it, and we watched like the whole show in one night. And then since then, I've watched it all the way through another like four times. Because it's only it's only thirteen episodes. It's like four and a half hours total. It's it's just a classic comedy series. It really is, and it freaking ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah, and it's super frustrating. Such a bummer. Yeah, it's a total bummer. And it, by the way, it's not a plot heavy show. Like we're not spoiling anything. There's it's, there's no plot. It's a sitcom. It's a parody of sitcoms. But yet it still ends on this big cliffhanger. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that line, the show has, like, resurfaced and, like, gained uh, a new audience on TikTok. Um, it's kind of become popular again, which I think speaks to how ahead of its time it was. Yeah, definitely. Mainly JFK, but also the show in general. I also love um, JFK's gay foster dads. Oh, they're hilarious. <laughs> they're super funny. There's some yeah. really... Like, yeah, we were saying earlier, there's just some funny... <laughs> this is some really funny um, uses of historical figures for certain stereotypes for characters. Like I said, the one that made me laugh a lot. And I'm a Christian, for people who don't know. I mean, are you Christian? Yeah. Kobe or no? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Jesus one should be offensive, but it, it's not. It makes me laugh so much. It's like the best. <laughs> it makes me laugh a lot. Yeah. Um, but because the know. joke is just coming from irony. Like, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. These jokes really like, aren't that offensive. They're just ironic if you know history like oh exactly jesus like okay it's like the a famous saying that jesus had nails in his hands when he was put on the cross so to have a teenage clone of jesus put a nail gun to his hand is hilarious like almost objectively like that's just funny that's just clever you know what i mean yeah um maybe my favorite character in the show isn't even a clone or a parody of a historical figure it's like the only totally original character who is Joan of Arc's foster dad. He's just this old, blind jazz musician named Toots. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah. know why, where that character came from, or, like, if he's parodying a specific thing. He's so funny. <laughs> I agree. He's just so funny. Besides him, who who would be your favorite character? Maybe Scudworth. Scudworth is pretty funny. I love funny. Scudworth. I love, uh... Oh, God. JFK just makes me laugh a lot. I just love the... I Sometimes I just randomly with my family just do the exaggerated JFK voice. Yeah, that sounds like the gentle knock of a vulnerable teenager. <laughs> Teenage girl. Um, Just stuff like that. My abs are so firm. You could grate, you could grate cheese on them. <laughs> just stuff like that. You know my policy on fatties. No fatties! <laughs> No fatties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I 
I don't think there's anything else that needs to be said about the no, show. I just Again, like you it. said, it's not deep, but it's clever. It's so it's funny. It's really funny. It's it holds up. Yeah. With uh, for the most part, there's definitely some dated yeah. celebrity guests, but there's a couple things that are dated. That I think the Tom Green episode is like the least funny one. The whole joke about Tom Green. Well, actually, that episode's yeah. funny, but the Tom Green scene is like a, it's a really flopped joke. Um, do you find Tom Green funny? I kind of do. I don't. I no. I really don't. Damn. All right. But but the thing is, for a show from two thousand two that is basically all like political and historical humor, it ages so well. There's yeah. very oh, very yeah. few jokes that are dated. Yeah. So the 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 positives outweigh the flaws here for yeah. sure in this show. And when you're looking at it as a predecessor to Lord and Miller's extremely successful career, when you're looking at it in the context of their history, it it, mm-hmm. it is really really interesting and really fascinating. I think we're I think we're good. I think so. I mean, I don't know if we can rate this one like we would most movies that we rate because it's a show, but it is also pretty self-contained yeah. in um the in the way that it's one season. Yeah, I'd probably give it like a nine. Yeah, me too. I think it's a near perfect show. I'd probably give it a nine. Yeah, there's some things that hold it back, but overall, it's like immensely watchable, super funny. Yeah, killer Very soundtrack. I love the the, oh, the alternative. The soundtrack music. is all like new original music, but all of it is parodying specific songs. So it does a really good way of like capturing the specific music of the of the 2000s and the 90s and like yeah making you kind of understand exactly what it's going for even though it's like a new original song like there's a point where there's a scene where Abe Lincoln's falling out a window and it's like there's this song that's like a yeah uh what's so <laughs> like simple about war anyways dump <laughs> and yeah. it's like this parody of war what is it good for it's so funny I, that's actually like a good song. Like I, I really like that track. Yeah, the songs in the show are good. Yeah, they're they're good songs. And there's the also some like funny musical numbers. There's a musical number about yeah. Paul Revere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super clever, funny. Yeah, really well done. Highly recommend if you haven't seen it. Great stuff. It's all free on YouTube, or if you want, give the money and buy it on Amazon for yeah. on DVD. Yeah. Um, I wish there was like a special it. edition. Maybe there is. I, w- I want to get like a special edition collection for this like show. Like a 15th anniversary Blu-ray. Imagine if there was a Criterion. Oh, man. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I would love that. Does Criterion have like TV shows? No, they don't. No, huh? That'd be funny, though. I think they have TV specials, but I don't think they have Maybe. TV shows. Because I know Ingmar Bergman did a TV special. So, oh, okay. And obviously, if it's Ingmar Bergman, they're going to have it on Criterion. I think they have some TV stuff in collections. Like, I have a Jacques Tati collection that has a TV special that he did. But probably not individually. Anyways. Yeah, it'd be a little weird. It, it is more about just movies in general. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, that was it. We're That's done. That's pretty much all for today's episode on Lord and Miller. Uh, obviously, we're yeah. big fans. We can't wait to see what they do next. Yes. Sebastian, before we move on uh, and close out this episode, what have you been watching lately? You have any recommendations? Um, I it was Scott Pilgrim's tenth anniversary recently. Mm-hmm. Did you go see it too in the theater? Yeah, yeah. So did I. Think, I. I think I super mentioned, fun. Mentioned it the last episode. I don't remember. Did you? I don't know. I, I loved remember. it. It was great. Yeah, it's. Uh, 
I've seen Scott Pilgrim hundreds of times, mm-hmm. but seeing it in the theater was like totally. There's yeah, I mean, there's a reason people plead, or like especially artists and filmmakers to go mm-hmm. to the movies because it's a totally different experience. And it was a uh, it was in Dolby, and the new sound mix was really good. Like oh really, yeah, really good. Like sound for the mix. fight scenes, especially it was like vibrating. Super the room. awesome. I loved it. Yeah, super dope. Great screens, great sound. The audience was laughing. It's like, yeah, this is why you go to the movies. Mm-hmm. Super fun. And I took a friend that had never seen it, and he really enjoyed it. So it was like his first time. It's cool because it was his first time, and he got to see it in the theater. That's great. So that was pretty cool. I envy that. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim, 10 out of 10. Um, and one that I I enjoyed as a kid, but upon rewatching, it's like it's kind of boring. Uh, World War Z. Oh, I haven't uh, seen it. Did you ever... Eh, it's whatever. <laughs> hmm. It's kind of one of those movies that, like, I was thirteen when I watched it. It was one of the first horror movies that I was able to see in the theater. It was super intense and oh god, <coughs> super intense, super scary. When I watched it as a kid, you know, one of the first things that I saw. Not that I'm like gonna be twenty one. Uh, I've seen hundreds of horror movies. Lots of things that have actually scared me. And so mm-hmm. going back to this, it's like, eh, it doesn't really hold up. Gotcha. So, yeah. Four out of ten. <laughs> Not very good. Kind of boring. What about you, Kobe? What have you been watching? I just watched a movie that I'm really excited about. It's, um... Other than the, the Edgar Wright Sparks documentary, which I got to see early, and which the trailer just dropped for. I really hope people go see that when it comes out in theaters. Other than that... Um, it is my favorite 2021 movie so far. It's a, it's my favorite non-documentary 2021 movie. It just it's a pretty it's a very small budget indie movie that just came out on VOD, but it's called Together Together. Oh, um, I've heard about this. It's with Ed Helms and Patty Harrison, who I hadn't seen in anything else. She's kind of an upcoming actress, but she's really excellent in it. It's also got um, some other really funny people. Um, as kind of like background supporting characters you've got julio torres in it um you've got the i wish i knew their names but the sister actress from rami and the secretary actress from veep um some other very funny people it's i thought a really really excellent platonic rom-com that's kind of the Mm. premise of it it's all about um ed helms and patty harrison they're just friends they're not um they're not romantic but this isn't a spoiler. This is the premise. But she is carrying his baby as a surrogate. Oh. And um, I love that at the end of Harry Met Sally. Uh, spoilers for a very old movie. They get together. But I kind of don't like that that contradicts the idea and presented in the beginning of Harry Met Sally that men and women can't be uh, just friends. Mm-hmm. Like... I believe that they can, and I've always wanted a movie that shows that, but it has that same uh, style of Harry Met Sally, and I feel like I finally got it. Uh, I really like Together Together. I really hope that more people do see it and that it doesn't um, get forgotten Uh in 2021 because it's very small, and it's not going to be for everybody. It's a very like intimate, pretty mellow comedy, and that is definitely my style, but it's not everybody's, and I get that. Um, From the poster, it seems like a total pretentious indie movie. Oh, I don't think it's pretentious. I think it's very not pretentious. Um, it just seems like a like a typical 
stereotypical <laughs> indie movie about like learning life sure. and falling in love. There's two people leaning on the wall. But that's what I love about it. Looking at is the it poster. does kind of uh, subvert your expectations because it's platonic and because it's just very like intimate and raw and um, that's nice, wholesome. I, I I'm a big fan of it. I really really like it. Together. And I think it's just got a really, really cleverly written screenplay that I really appreciated. Nice. I will check it out. Alrighty. Alrighty. Alright, we Next are. Next uh, week, we are, uh, we're going done to be with this episode. About... <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we are uh, speaking about two horror pictures that we both like. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we are finally going to be getting to talk about A Quiet Place Part 2. Um, this is the movie that was supposed to come out the weekend that COVID happened and it's been delayed a full year and now it's finally coming out. Yes. Um, unless COVID two happens, we'll see. Um, say that. So we're going to be reviewing the original A Quiet Place part one, which I'm, well, I, I I won't spoil how I feel about it. Um, and, um, then we're going to be talking about Quiet Place part two. I'm super excited. I've been waiting on this movie for a long time. Uh, yeah. Nice. Thank you guys for listening to our goofy, goofy little episode today. We did uh, well, Miller Phil. We, Phil, uh, Mill Filler. Mill Filler. Um, Mill Filler. I'm real proud of you guys. Thanks for being guests on our podcast and not saying a word. I really appreciate you guys just like hanging out with us. Yeah. Um, they're in the room. They're, the two of them are in the room. We're, we're you know, we're all friends. Yeah. We're kind of in the They're not tied up and, and like, beaten, half beaten to that. No. No, no. No, they just don't want to talk. They're just, um... No, yeah. They have sore throats from COVID. We're all quarantining together. Yeah, we don't have a gun pointed at them at all. Or, like, mm-hmm. a family ready to be killed at any second if they don't write a screenplay for us and take credit for it. I mean, what? What's happening? <laughs> no, n- none of this is happening. We're giving ourselves away. We need to stop. <laughs> yeah, we're oh, yeah. going to get this demonetized. Did not mean well, any of that I was going to say demonetized, but we don't make money off these anyways. We're just... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Uh, what's Is there a nice sign-off from uh, from Mitchell's vs. the Machines? Or Next week, on a very special amateur cast. <laughs>